And we are live. Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes live stream. Uh, episode number 11. Happy Saturday, everyone. Hope you are doing well today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, before we get started, next Saturday, we're hosting another live stream Q&A on staffing season uh, with writer-producer Ali Siebert of Hawaii Five-0, Chicago Fire, and The Rookie. And we are looking to book a second guest, uh, so we'll keep you up to date on that. We had someone that had to reschedule. So we are getting that going. Uh, so that's next Saturday. Um, it's on staffing season, so check us out then. But today, we're talking all about writing and developing animated films and television, uh, the difference between live action and uh, animated projects and all that stuff. Our guest today is a screenwriter, director, TV writer, producer who's worked on multiple series such as Full House, A Different World, and Living Color, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and I just discovered Studio 60. Uh, he also wrote Treasure Planet, and The Princess and the Frog for Disney, and he's currently working on a top-secret project for Marvel, uh, which we cannot ask him about, but we will ask him about working for Marvel, which is going to be interesting. Uh, and he's working on the animated feature version of MyBots, or MeBots, I don't know how to pronounce that, uh, based on the successful kids' animated series, and writing and directing the animated feature Sneaks, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Welcome back to the show, uh, Rob Edwards. Glad to have you back on, Rob. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's always great to, to chat with you and have you here. Um, so, but basically, before we open it up to questions uh, from folks in the live stream, I wanted to ask you a few things that I think would uh, a lot of the audience, a lot of people listening, watching, would find helpful. Uh, if you do have questions in the live stream, please feel free to drop them in, and we'll obviously include them as we go. Um, but First, sort of the basic question of, since you've written for both live action uh, mm-hmm. in terms of Studio 60 and, and Fresh Prince and you know everything in between, and obviously animated projects, you've got a couple going right now, as well as uh, Treasure Planet, Princess and the Frog. How is writing animated scripts different from writing for live action, both in terms of format and also stylistically? Uh, for yeah. example, I just want to say, like, in comic books and graphic novels, you know, thought bubbles are a common thing, uh-huh. which you can't write in a screenplay. So what are right. sort of the differences between sort of live action and, and animated projects? Oh, cool. Um, it's interesting because a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll answer it by saying, like, well, animation is not a genre. It's just a way of, of making a movie. It's like mm-hmm. black and white movie, whatever, or uh, a movie without sound and stuff like that. But the... Well, it's kind of a smug answer, but what I try to get uh, people to realize is that you are still telling stories. They're still coming from the heart. Um, and, uh, you know, Princess and the Frog is a very personal story. Hmm. Um, actually, I, I always tell people, like, you know everything you need to know about my marriage by watching Princess and the Frog because it's all personal. Um, Does your wife know this? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No. Okay. When, uh, and I, I, it's funny because I was working on the movie for like uh, three or four years. And I didn't tell her anything. I was just like, oh, this is going on or whatever. And we've got, you know, this, the normal kind of job stuff. And then uh, because I wanted her to watch the movie and not know anything about it when, when we were doing it. And all through the movie, she's just elbowing me like, oh, you bastard. You know, whatever. <laughs> so I took direct quotes from her and put them in the movie. Um, uh, yeah. So, so, so that is it. It's a very personal uh, tale. But you tell it in a, you know, you tell it with the uh, additional thing of animation. It's funny because a lot of people will come to me and they'll say like, well, I'm not ready to write a feature yet, but I'm writing an animated movie. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Animated movies are harder to write than, 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 than regular live action features. 
example, like, um, you know, Princess and the Frog, the, um, uh, you know, Tiana is a character. Mm-hmm. He's got her own thing. Naveen is a character. He's got his own thing. And then when they turn into frogs, they become different. There's a whole nother level of storytelling there. So um, one example is that when they become frogs, it's, Tiana decides she is not a frog. She is still a human being. So she stands up. She's on two legs <laughs> you know, for the for the first uh, uh, half of the movie. Naveen is like, hey, when in Rome, right? So he drops down and now he's a frog. And, you know, Tiana says, uh, what is it? There's no way I'm kissing a frog and eating a bug on the same day, right? So she is resistant to the idea of being a frog. Naveen is just like, hmm, yummy, you know, bugs. Uh, and it's only in the middle of the movie when Tiana kind of accepts, you know, she starts to relax into this world and then she drops down and, and becomes a frog. That's nothing that you have to deal with in a live action movie. Right. You know, it's like, you don't have to think on that level. You don't have to do all the research into frogs that I had to do. And she's a green tree frog, by the way. And, uh, you know, and the bayou and what it would be like to live in the bayou and stuff. And so you, so my wife, you know, all the time, I'm just kind of wandering the halls and just kind of thinking of stuff. There's this other scene in the, at the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie, where basically like if you're writing a live action movie, it's like, oh, well, Ray, the firefly is gonna try to save Sienna from the bad guy. But the bad guys aren't bad guys, they're, they're shadows. And Ray is not a guy, he's a firefly. You know? So I'm just walking around, walking around, how in the, how, you know, in God's green earth is, is, is Ray, this tiny firefly gonna take on these bad guys? And I'm wandering and wandering and I go, he makes light and they're shadows. And so the scene is that he lights up and he he flashes and they dissipate when he flashes. So he's able to kind of take them on. Um, Again, if you're writing August Osage County, you know, you you don't have to worry about the dynamics of like, oh, you know, how, how, what are the physics of this firefly and stuff like that. So there is this other level of thing. Underneath it all, though, it still has to feel true. Mm-hmm. You're always telling personal stories in the room. You're always really trying to make people cry in the end. Um, you know, touch people in a certain way, and hopefully get people to watch a movie more than once. And you specifically spoke about narrative in terms of character, how challenging it is to write not just human characters, but characters that have a different mindset because they're not necessarily human uh and and all the things that world building brings to add layers and dimension and things like that what about in terms of just structurally speaking Mm -hmm. um again like thought bubbles in car in in comic books what if anything is different about writing animation that that uh you know those writers out there who want to write in animation or develop their own animated project or or they're writing an animated script what are some of the things that that they can do that you can't in live action and what are some of the things that you can't do in animation that you can do in live action or you know uh, what are the things that they can think about to expand their storytelling uh within the the medium what's interesting uh yeah you mentioned structure i think that that structure People that I know that write animation, mm-hmm. the thing that they come out of it, the superpower that they come out of it with is this notion of writing sequences mm-hmm. and um, that every little bit, every little bite of it 
um, because it's going to go to DVD, it's going to go to whatever, and people are going to pause it, and you know, whatever. It's usually going to be, um, you know, I hate to say, but the, but the animation world is is run on eight year old girls, hmm. right? So, you know, so uh, so you want to kind of make sure that each element is satisfying to watch. Um, so you get guys like Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio who did, um, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and they are. Um, you know sequence to sequence those things are dynamic and super fun because they learned you know because they wrote aladdin and they and they worked on uh you know they cut their teeth over uh with you know with my guys with ron uh ron clemens and john musker now the um um and so structurally yeah you're always thinking okay the things that i do in a the things i set up in a or you know the beginning of the movie have to be have to be have to pay off at in act three and um and that i can't take that for granted so uh, like when they would come over, um, you know, the, the, the guys from Pixar, the guys from Disney, all the, uh, you know, upper echelon guys would come in to watch you kind of pitch your movie. Mm. And you're sitting there, you've got this little stick and you're supposed to point to little very, you know, drawings along the, along the wall and you start on act, you know, act one, scene one. Um, and you've got this whole thing prepared, like, ooh, I'm gonna dance around with a scene a little bit. And, uh, and they walk right up to act three you know, the wall that has all the act three boards on it. And you're like, oh, what are you guys looking at? And they'll say, like, well, we're looking at that moment. Where is it? Like, well, what, what moment? Like, oh, the moment where you're going to try to make me cry. You know? <laughs> and, and so you kind of pitch it out and they'll go, oh, yeah, that, I could see that making me cry. And then they sit down in the first act and then they, and, and you pitch it through. Downside, of course, is that they'll, they'll go, nah, I'll see you next week. <laughs> you know? And you're like, whoa, wait a minute, what? You know, and you realize, no, you have to land the plane. You know, it has to pay off in the in the in the third act, and uh, you're not getting away with anything. So, um, so for writers, I say, really, 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 the thing has to work uh, overall, because in animation, you're already sitting there going like, wait a minute, frogs don't talk. You know, whatever. You know, an ocelot wouldn't wouldn't do that. You know, <laughs> whatever. You know, and. Um, and and so it has to be super truthful and it really has to you have to build it to this point where it's gonna you know big choices are being made um you know for that i go to you know you it's your joseph the joseph campbell of it all you know the the chris vogler of it all uh really has to pay off in those moments they have the stories have to be epic hmm. um you can't just tell a story about a day in the life of a you know tree slug um <sighs> it's it's just not gonna you know, you could try to make it work at a smaller level, but Disney movies, they're, you know, you're constantly reminded that this is, you know, there's $180 million and if right. it doesn't work, you know, whatever, everybody goes home. So, um, so it has to be epic. It has to draw in a large audience and it has to, it has to be meaningful for a long, for a lot of people. Right. And the only way you can do that is to be super truthful and also tell a story that has universal uh, consequences. Right. So, you know, the thought bubble of it all is that um, you wind up with kind of a theatricality uh, to it, which is why some actors, you know, some actors who are, are very good actors, very good, you know, um, physical actors cannot do animation. Um, you know, uh, a guy like Nathan Lane, yes, he's gold, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, uh, um, um, Patton Oswalt is amazing. You know, Eddie Murphy is, is fantastic. You know, uh, Chris Rock is is amazing because they bring this that theatricality to them that uh, that seduces you into that character. And they also have this this great level of 
depth to to their characters because that's what you want to do right mm -hmm. the first half of the movie is going to be funny 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 second half of the movie you're going to kind of start to get into like oh no you know things are happening and it's real um and uh and you want you want people drawn into the point where it's going to be like i say meaningful to the point where you want to see the movie two three 10, 20, 50,000. You know, right. I have had people come up to me and say, I've seen your movie 40 times. And I look up, you know, I look up to the dad and he's like, yeah, 40 times in theaters. Right. <laughs> you know, whatever, you know? Right. But that's, that's what you're writing towards. You want that to be the experience. And we've gotten a lot of good comments on uh, when we mentioned you as a guest, both for Treasure Planet and The Princess and the Frog, because, you know, for, for adults, it is, a movie hopefully they enjoy it it tells a story but for, especially when you grow up with, with these things they stick with you they're part of your childhood right growing up and so they stick with you as you get older you remember those things um and so they have special meaning but one thing that i i just gleaned from what you had said which i thought was sort of interesting was that making themes universal and and, and being uh, being truthful with these characters and, and the depth involved and I think tying into the fact that unless you're talking about those little Walmart DVD ripoffs of, you know, Kung Fu Panda or whatever it happens to yeah. be, you know, a karate chop, you know, a grizzly yeah. or whatever. There is there is a knockoff of Princess and the Oh, Panda. I'm sure. I'm sure there you is. Know, you can go, you know, you can go downtown into any uh, grocery store parking lot. I'm absolutely 100% sure. Um, but other than those, generally speaking, animated films are not low budget films they're all big budget very expensive so you have to appeal to a big audience it has to have what you were saying it has to be truthful it has to really uh in terms of storytelling be something that would really engage people not really a niche you know thing yeah. um so that's kind of interesting um i'm gonna jump over to a question from someone in the uh, chat right now benjamin feldman asks as the writer of an animated project, how much would you say that you work alongside the visual and animation teams that are on the projects? Do you study animation yourself or help with directing? Well, and actually, you can answer that as a director now because you're directing yes, exactly. you know, your own project. Well, so. Yeah, because now, now actually, yeah, with, with, with Sneaks, which is adorable, it's a uh, hip-hop toy story. Mm -hmm. think, about, think of it this way. But it's um, um, I like to work with the – I mean, I when I was in high school, I had a comic strip. So I draw, which is a uh, which is a huge advantage. And so the first day that I was on Treasure Planet, um, I'd written a scene, gave it to the you know gave it to the storyboard artist. The storyboard artist comes in, is is this what you're talking about? And I you know went down on my pad and I drew something else. And I said, no, this is what I'm talking about. And he he goes, he grabs it and he runs around the place and he goes, Rob can draw. We got a we got a writer who can draw. And um, and uh, and everybody said you wouldn't believe what a luxury that is mm. because most people can't. Most people, most writers don't think visually. Sure. They'll think in terms of dialogue, or maybe they'll you know sometimes they'll think in action and, and, and stuff. But it's it's uh, you know if you're thinking in three dimensions and you're like I say thinking in, thinking in in the mind of the uh, firefly or the mind of the alligator, you know then then it's it's so much better. Uh, so I like, I thoroughly enjoy the art part of it. Hmm. Um, the uh, most of the time in story meetings, and I still do it. I will, uh, as a director, I used to do it as a writer. I'd super do it as a as a director, which is I'll get the animator and the story artist in the room, 
and we'll all just talk because the story, the animator knows the character and is basically an actor uh, acting through the paper. Mm. And the, uh, and the story artist is, is trying to get the sequence, right. He's trying to make that element of the story work. Um, and then me, I'm kind of, you know, I can be a little bit of referee and a little bit, you know, I'm the guy with the vision, hopefully. And, and, and so I'm saying, well, this is kind of what I'm trying to get across in this scene. And, uh, and then everybody teams up and works together. The more I'm able to understand what that guy is doing mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, with, with both guys are doing, the better it's going to be. And the way that you communicate a lot of times is that you're drawing on a post-it note and you put your post-it on top of the, the guy's drawing. So, so there's that. The other part of the question, I think, th- th- which is a great question, mm-hmm. is um, sometimes you get onto a project and there's just a lot of drawings that have already been done. They're, they're kind of creating the world for you. And, you know, on Princess and the Frog, there were all these drawings of, of uh, New Orleans and, uh, and stuff. And for a time, they thought there was going to be a, a ton of frogs. So all these different frog characters on there. Right. I used none of them, <laughs> you know. And it was, like, terrible for that guy because there were brilliant drawings. They just got thrown out one right. day. Um, uh, but there was a drawing of uh, Tiana's father. And I said, wow, well, there's no, there was no father in the version that I, when I started, there was no, you know, father in that. And so I went to the, I went down to the guy's office. I said, well, why, why is there a drawing of the father? Was there, was it ever part of the conversation? He said, no, 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 I'm trying to draw Tiana's mother. So I had to draw the father and then subtract the father from whatever. And that there was just a math of a family because I wanted the mother to look like the mother, but not look like just an, a clone of, you know, Tiana or mm-hmm. Tiana looked like a clone of the mother. And and I, I took the drawing and I, I went into the directors. I said, you know, this guy's not in the movie, but he's the most important person in the movie. <laughs> and I said, Tiana's father should be the guy who has the dream of the restaurant, mm. the thing and whatever. And they said, um, what what you always hear in, at Disney Animation is like, every minute of an animated movie is a million dollars. So how many millions of dollars are you going to spend today, Ralph? And I'm like, well, I just want to... Yeah, uh, so I wrote this little tiny three-minute scene at the beginning of the of the thing where you you only see the father for about you know three minutes of the movie, which is why scenes are on top of scenes. He's mm. narrating on top of scenes because I didn't want to take up too much too much time. But it's where he gives Tiana the dream of, of this restaurant, and um, and then he actually comes back in the third act as like you know he had love that was the most important. It was more important than the restaurant and all that stuff. But that was like inspiration from just walking down the halls where all these drawings are, you know, the, right. the, the halls at Disney are just festooned with drawings of everything, of every like a lamp and whatever, a million feet, you know, and stuff like that. And, uh, and so I was just walking around as I do, you know, just kind of, you know, wandering the halls. And, uh, and there was this drawing and it was the inspiration that saved the movie hmm. because previously the, the father has the heart in the movie and previously people were watching it and saying like, eh, I like it, but you know, I don't really care yet. And the father solved that. So. Gotcha. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So let's see here. Uh, never asked, how do you know if uh, your or someone else's script is working uh, or do you never really know? <laughs> you can't, well, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 um, you know, 
no one no one knows anything right <laughs> that, uh, that you um uh yeah go back to william goldman the father of all right that, that, that you you just um most of the time you don't you're never certain i, I i'll amend and i'll put a asterisk on that and say mm. no one is certain um if they were then everybody every movie would be sure. amazing and, and and all that what you are is you, you know, the thing I, I've seen a lot is that, you know, whether it's Sorkin or, you know, Disney or, you know, anywhere, you know, people have good guts. People are fans of the medium. In fact, Andrew Santon says, be a, be a film goer first, be a film maker second. Mm. That's all you can do. Be a fan of the genre. You know, and I've been on the other side, I've been in meetings where people are like, I don't watch these movies. What are you talking about? You know, right, <laughs> it's, like, right. it's like, well, why are we making a movie? Why are you telling me how to make this, you know? Um, but the uh, 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 but if you're a fan of the genre, you love the movies. You love what you want to see in a movie, mm -hmm. and you see it, and you go like, "Oh my God, that's amazing!" Then that's then that's that's the most you can do. And then when you when you're sure that it's it's done in, in far as a rewriting process, I always look at it as when can you not take anything else out? You know, when is it that that the that if it's structurally simple, it's going to be emotionally effective. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's when you pile on things. I mean, Tenet is a great movie, but I, I can't feel it, you know? It's just so hard to feel, whereas there are other movies that are super simple. You know, Finding Nemo, I cry my eyes out during that thing because it's just so simple. It's just, a, you know, dude trying to find his son. Right. Um, and, the, and you just piggyback all of your emotions on top of that and things are happening and it's oh no he's never gonna find you know it's it's great and your your heart is in your throat for the whole time and 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 off you go so i look at like can i get can the movie get out of its own way you know um uh, are there too many bells and whistles is it too much about like you know the land of asgard and the thing and the whatever and the blah 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 you know whatever is it too much about that or you know uh, and and not enough about the actual people in it, or um, or am I telling the story of a person that just happens to be in this genre? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, apparently, Ochakai in the chat agrees with you. Tenet is like Inception without emotion or much character. Still a good movie, though. Um, Still a good movie. Yeah, Still yeah. Good. No, no. You know, yeah. The, the, the Nolan teaches us about movies every time he makes a movie. Mm. And, uh, you know, Dark Knight is pound for pound the best movie <laughs> you know <laughs> like it just uh dark knight came out while we were doing frog and we just went to it every weekend as inspiration for like a move movies can be made like this. right right so, so i do not i do not uh take anything out of nolan but but tenet is an example of a movie that were i think it were uh, uh more structurally structurally uh simple hmm. i could have plugged in more i would have felt it more emotionally right uh, I do have more questions about animation and other things, but I want to ask you another one from the uh, chat. Um, let's see here. Sujin Gang uh, asks, right. do you have a personal... New house. What's New that? house in the house. One of my students. Oh, great. Well, uh, <laughs> do you have a personal schedule, regimen, or even ritual that you do whenever you write to get into that headspace? Or is it simple as sitting down and writing every idea that comes to you? That's a good question. That's a great question. Yeah. Well, Sujin. <laughs> the um, I. The answer is yes, 
less so now than it was when I first started. Um, uh, the thing about writing, if you're going to write well, mm -hmm. it's almost like you have to just be in a Zen state. You know, you have to kind of see the wall. You have to see a place that you are not in. You have to see people that are not necessarily in your room and they have to talk and you have to hear what they have to say in a way that they're going to, that they and only they can say it. And, um, and, and then you have to jump quickly out of that head and jump into the person's head that they are speaking to get into their mental state and, and go. And like I say, you have to know where the stapler is. You have to know where the lamp is. You have to know where the door is. Um, and, uh, and so it is a meditative state. So, uh, uh, it is good to get like super relaxed, you know, close the doors, turn off the internet. Um, if you've got music, music without words, but but just kind of get into a state. I like to listen to the same song over and over. And over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do too. But I will, yeah. And, and, and you know, just get in the mood and stay in that mood all day because a screenplay, you're going to write it over three months. Right. So you're going to need to be in that place for a long, long time. And you may, you know, day, you know, uh, 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 week 12, you're maybe not going to be in the place you were in, in week one. And so you have to kind of figure that out. And so for me, it's like getting into a, a very warm bathtub. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes a good long time to get there. And then when I'm there, snap it, I'm going. Um, then if somebody knocks on my door or if somebody like a doorbell rings, like I'm out and it takes right. another half hour <laughs> to get back in. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, please stop it. Uh, you know, fortunately there are rules in the house so that nobody bothers me if the doors close. It's like, uh, it's like, you know, studio. Um, uh, nobody's going to knock. Nobody's going to bother me. It's, it's just my, my, my time to be alone. Um, yeah. So, so, so there's, uh, there's that. And, and I try to preserve that as much as, as much as possible. Now that I've kind of been writing and stuff, I can get into it quicker. Um, like I said, I can be wandering around or I'll, I'll carry a pad in my pocket and, uh, you know, cause you never know when you're going to get inspired and you go like, Oh, there it is. Uh, and, uh, and I'll get there. The other trick that is amazing. I have two tricks. One is, well, I'll give you the second one and the first one. The, um, Robert Rodriguez is talking about uh, that that process. You know, how do you get relaxed? You know, we, we wake up. We you know, you kind of make your coffee, you take a shower, you get dressed, and then you sit at your desk. And by that time, you're just in a you're in a different headspace. You know, mm -hmm. you're reading the mail and all that stuff. Um, he says, "Don't get up. Don't wake up." <laughs> you know. So when you wake up, have a pad. You know, I have a pad and a pen nearby. Right. And usually, that is my most productive time. Is I'll sit there in the quiet nobody's bothering me the phone's not, there's no danger that i'm ever going to get in, interrupted and i'll just write i'll just i know what i'm gonna what i have to write that day i'll just i'll just pen some ideas down right um in that state of like zero distraction and a lot of times that will help me it, that's all day i'm just working from those pages all day i'm just rewriting what I've, I've set myself up i'm rewriting all the way through the other thing the the, the second thing is um is to ask yourself a question before you go to sleep so uh let your subconscious do a lot of your work for you mm. and so i'll find too that like 4 a.m i'll go oh that's it you know <laughs> i'll have all the elements or I'll, I'll ask myself a big question you know how could a firefly beat a bunch of shadows um and uh and then as the brain slows down you know you kind of go there it is and you can you're super creative in that moment because you can see everything 
and you know you just write it down and, and, and off you go and again you've started you've gotten a half day's work done you've gotten maybe three hours of work done in the time in about 15 minutes um so yeah so great question Sujin. yeah and actually and go, go new house a syracuse i teach at syracuse right um uh so uh, so go new house um and one thing that actually my wife mentioned to me that that she found helpful which i've used since if you are having a hard time getting started your day and, and getting back into writing after you've stopped for the night mm -hmm. is to always stop at a point where you're, you're excited. Like you're in the middle of a scene, never stop when you're done with something, stop in the middle of a scene and then leave and come back. Cause the next day you're in the middle of that scene and you already know where you want to go and you're just jumping right back in. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do that. I, I, I stop in the middle of the scene. I will sometimes just write because I write on a pad. Mm. I'm super uh, uh, analog. So <laughs> I write on a pad uh, with with a fountain pen, actually, which is terrible. wow. The, uh, just because it's lighter. It's like oh, I don't sure. push like a ballpoint. It's uh, also so super classy, hand. Rob. So yeah, it's, it's super classy. <laughs> it's, like, hey, it's, it's me. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. But the uh, but, you know, and the the, the the ink does glide on the paper. You, your hand gets less stressed with uh, with the thing. Anyway, but and it is super fun. But the, <laughs> um, but the 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 uh, so I will sometimes just write unattributed dialogue. I'll just write the dialogue on the paper, and then the next when I reapproach it, I have to reread it, and I have to reread it and hear the characters so that I can attribute like, oh, who said that? Mm -hmm. You know, whatever. And if the dialogue all sounds like the same person, then I know I've done something wrong. But it gives me like a flow into it, and then I'll write the next line, the next line, the next line. The other thing I will do um, is after I, I usually take like half of the time to map out whatever it is I'm going to write. Like so, the outlining phase. If if I'm writing for eight weeks, uh, it's four weeks of outline or whatever. Twelve weeks, it's six weeks of, of outline, and then um, and then six weeks of writing. And so I know I know pretty much where I'm going to go with everything. I don't, I try not to drive myself down any uh, blind alleys, but I will eat my dessert first. So, so with those sequences, you know, if I have 50 sequences or something, mm -hmm. I will take the, I will take the meatiest, you know, the most fun sequence first. And I'll sure. just write, I'll start writing that one. And I'm like super excited about it. And then I'll write the whatever. And then usually like the last scene I'll write is like the first scene or something, you know, or the, you know, um, the, or the, 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 all is lost or something like that, you know, um, that's the last one I'll write. But the, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, always keep yourself, keep the wind at your back mm -hmm. and just have, have a tough, have a fun time. Yeah. You're, you're never going to sit down and write a whole screenplay. You know, you have to find ways to trick yourself into, uh, into being consistent. Right. Um, okay. Uh, Benjamin Feldman asks, um, it feels like a great majority of agencies are interested in mainly live action work when considering writers. How and where does someone go when they want to be represented and do and uh, do animated work? Are there any agencies that you would recommend to try having a general meeting with to see if it's a good fit? Are there Ooh. any agencies or management companies out there that sort of specialize in or have... Uh, like three arts does a lot of comedy, for example. Right. Um, exactly. You know. So, is there anything out there for for animation uh, writers, directors, filmmakers, or is that something that's just integrated into other yeah. companies? There's there's the the the, the dirty little secret in animation is nobody gets hired off of an animation animation spec. Mm. You know, uh, it's like the guy who wrote uh, uh, Soul, uh, Kemp Powers. Mm -hmm. He's a playwright, and he also wrote One Night in Miami. 
Hmm. Um, and uh, and now I believe he's you know, he's doing yeah he's doing a, a lot of animation. Oh, now. sure. He's a fantastic animation writer. I mean, he really uh, you know uh, gets it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the person who wrote what, what Pocahontas, she also wrote I think Aaron Brockovich, and the person who wrote uh, you know um, obviously Ted and Terry. You know they they you know are, are doing the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. The um, um, you know uh, that that most guys get hired. You never see like, oh, he wrote this animated movie and then he wrote this one. You know, mm-hmm. it'll usually be like, oh, the guy wrote a really nice, a really good, sometimes independent film that moved people, and then they move into animation. And so it's it's uh, and the other terrible thing is, or not terrible, but whatever is it, especially at uh, Pixar, most of the writers are also the directors, mm-hmm. so they come up through the story process or through you know well, animation or something like that. Uh, Disney the same way, where um, you know the, the directors write, but they also sometimes will bring in a writer. Um, but those writers, like I say, are, are are writers who've written really good live action things. For Treasure Planet, I had actually written something. It was live action, but it was about cupids. You know, <laughs> it was a it was a love story, but it was told from the point of view of these cupids that had made a mistake, and and they shot the wrong two people. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Kind of trying to make right uh, from the thing. It was kind of like, a, it was supposed to be uh, um, like time bandits, you know, <laughs> a little bit, uh, uh, romantic time bandits. And um, and Ron and John, you know, Ron Clements and John Musker read it and said, wow, it was amazing what you did. You know, it, it, there was no time when I thought, wait, this doesn't feel like what would happen in life. It was like, you thought it out all the way through. So sometimes that can help. You know, if you're writing something that's a little bit hybrid, a little bit magical, that can help you. Um, in terms of agents, I would look at like IMDb Pro and see like who who wrote whatever movies you like, um, whatever animated movies you like, because chances are those writers, uh, there's a lot of animation right now. So those writers are probably occupied and those, that agent is probably looking for somebody else hmm. to be able to suggest for those gigs. So um, so I would try that. That's a that would be a great way to go. Uh, and I know it worked for you. And it seems to be you could mention sort of that that unwritten secret that uh, live action, you, you know, a lot of writers either uh, in animation have had success in other areas, whether as a playwright or as a feature writer. In your in your case, uh, as a TV writer, and also having uh, a spec that was perfect fit, even if it was live action. Uh, would you recommend that writers who want to work in animation? Them, that's their goal do some live like have a live action spec or that kind of thing would you recommend that they have also have a sample in live action have a have a live action spec hopefully something that is um that is ep- you know it can be a small epic you know uh uh conforms to campbell conforms mm-hmm. to you know whatever uh, um, um uh, you know vogler and uh you know, let them know that you know how to tell one of their stories, um, but do it through live action. I mean, you know, worst thing, worst case scenario, somebody makes your live action film, you know, right. somebody makes your live, you know, magical live action film. The thing that you do, though, uh, the thing that I always did is I said um, to my agents, look at li- uh, look at animation for me, hmm. you know, that um, as you're putting me up for things, I uh, I am not afraid to do animation, <laughs> you know, because a lot of writers are. Sure. And, and that's, I mean, that's another thing uh, inside baseball part is that 
animation is not easy. It's extremely hard. I mean, I did I did TV where, where I think we did like 26 episodes of Fresh Prince in one season. Crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but animation is still harder because you're doing the same episode for four years and you're working weekends and, and the whole thing. And the, you know, the, 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 the screenplay is divided into, you know, whatever, 30 sections, 50 sections. And, um, and you get, you don't get to, if you're coming into the middle of, of the movie, if there is already a draft, you're not starting on page one and writing all the way through. You're starting in sequence 17. That's the, that's the next thing that gets to be written. And you can only write sequence 17, hmm. you know? And if sequence 17 works, if you fix it, then they yank it and they put it into uh, uh, layout and animation and it goes, you never get to pick, uh, touch 17 again. Oh. So if you want to make a choice, if you, if a year after that, you want to make a change to 17, you can't, you can only change 16 and 18. Gotcha. So you say like, well, okay, whatever. And you try to figure out what words to say that will change the perception of how 17 worked and then out of it how 18 works and you wind up making an agreement with everybody mm -hmm. to say like okay give me 7 14 and 28 you know give me something in act one give me something in the middle you know in act 2a and then and then give me some something around the uh, epiphany and um and then i can i can deal with that but everything else you can lock down that is the craziness of it so um you know you have to really really know your story and really know uh you know your structure uh, before you get into it so so if you tell your agent i can deal with the torture <laughs> you know they will, right. they will they will kind of like okay great let's let's look at this for you um let's see uh eddie uh babayan hopefully i pronounced your name right eddie uh apologies if not um do you have experience mixing animation with live action using the rotoscoping technique uh, mm -hmm. Like that classic aha music video, Take On Me from the 80s. Right. I, I had a project that I, uh, there's a, you know, it broke my heart. It's called Animated American. It was, mm -hmm. it was, it was going to be a combination of that. And, um, um, and Robert Zemeckis was producing. It was great. Oh, great. You know, it's going to be fun. Dan Fogelman was also producing. Uh, super fun project. It was, it was um, you know, a hybrid kind of, kind of thing. I was really looking forward to doing that. It just didn't, it just didn't, you know, whatever projects you know, live and die. But the, um, uh, I would love to, uh, because that's the way I think, obviously, right. <laughs> like, or, you know, Tiana's on my desk as, as I'm writing. So, uh, uh, so I'm always thinking like, wow, what if these elements of the world and these elements of, of, you know, my world and that world, uh, came together. Um, yeah, I love that stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, so absolutely. I, I'm, I'm wide open to it if it happens um th you had mentioned that both in disney and at pixar a lot of their uh writers and directors are hired from in-house meaning they're brought up from their story departments and things like that obviously they'll you were hired as a writer uh, so they will do that on occasion but a lot of times it's from within how does one if again, if somebody whose entire goal dream is to work in animation, how does someone break into Disney at the lower levels of whatever the store department or whatever it has to be to sort of get promoted and work up from within so that at some point, maybe they could get that opportunity to write and or direct uh, a film, an animated film for uh, Disney or Pixar or something like that. I, it's interesting. Cause I, I mean, the guys, 
it's it, it's people always make the mistake of like oh Pixar hmm. it is Pixar but Pixar is really Toy Story it was a one movie and five guys worked on it you know or five guys with principles on it the editor the whatever but, and all of those guys wound up making the other films the other hmm. uh, fourteen films uh, you know there were only what three four sets of directors right you know um and uh and then and then brad bird came in later and did you know and did his pair but uh but the movies as you go through like andrew santon was a story you know was a story artist on the thing and you know bob and and, and, and pete and um all those guys were gary Rydstrom, you know was an editor and they all worked on toy story and and when Toy Story was over, it's like, oh, good. We all have been through this thing. Let's all help each other make other movies. Mm-hmm. So there was zero breaking in for like, you know, what, 14 years? You know, there was zero breaking into that, uh, to, to, to that thing. Occasionally, they bring in a writer to kind of do jokes or to, you know, if you have a specialty, they'll bring you in to, to, to do that. Right. Disney was a little bit more open because when, you know, um, uh, Katzenberg took, o- you know, took it over, he liked reading scripts. He didn't like looking at uh, panels or anything like that. And so you had to write, you know, the directors and everybody had to write. So Ron and John could write, so they wrote. But a lot of people would bring in writers. Mm. And that's when it's like, it's good to just, I always say it's like door-to-door sales. It's like, you know, really the best thing you can do is just let people know who you are. Um, we're in this era, I mean, especially during uh, quarantine, where you can just pick up the phone. If you saw if you saw a movie that you really loved that uh, that some director made, just call him up. You know, uh, get on his Twitter feed or whatever. DM him. Uh, everybody is way more accessible than you think they are. Hmm. And um, and if you get on the list, if you're if you're if you are talented, I mean that's that that should not go without saying. If you suck, good luck. You know whatever. But if you're if you're a wonderful storyteller, you tell great stories from the heart, and you can and you are um, you know you're agile with change, which you must ha- you must be. Um, uh, let people know, mm-hmm. you know, and just say, hey, you know, I know I'm doing this thing over here now, but I, my dream is really to whatever. And uh, and know that animation guys geek out on animation. Hmm. Everybody knows every movie. Everybody can, you know. Um, you know, I go back to when I was five years old. My dad bought me like the Art of Animation book, and so I know all you know whatever the Nine Old Man and the thing, and you know that that um, that most of the time talking to those guys, you know, even in my first meeting, I was like, "This looks like this, and this is the blah blah blah, and this is the tradition of this, and this is whatever blah blah blah." And back when Walt was doing it, Walt did this and whatever, and he he believed in this type of storytelling, and this is what I think think you're doing here, and this is what I think you need to do uh, in order to update that. Man, I was like boom, 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 and they were like, "Good, one of us, one of us, right? You know, <laughs> come work with us." But if you're just like a guy, you know, and you just want to do animation, and you know, it's an aspirational thing. Unfortunately, it's not a job you can train. You can't train on the job. You have to kind mm. of bring in a set of skills, a tremendous set of skills, because there's so much on the line. Um, so hone your skills, man. You know, do. Do some independent movies, you know, the internet. I mean, do you can do some animated, you know, you can do some independent animation and stuff. Uh, show everybody who you are. And then they will, you know, uh, and then let them know that, that you are open to them. And they will, you know, uh, and, and hopefully it'll work out. One movie gets made at Disney every year. 
Uh, so the next five years of movies are already being made. You're not going to get one of those, you know, right. so you have to be super patient um, and hope that they have a need, you know, uh, on down the line. If you are, you know, if you happen to be Polynesian and they're making a Polynesian right. you know, this movie, Aces for you, you know, get on that list. Absolutely. I mean, that was... You know, 90% of the reason why I was on Fresh Prince was I'm, I happen to be a preppy black guy. So, you know, right. and uh, they're casting the room. So they want to know that you know what you're doing. Sure. Um, you know, that's a big, that's a big part of it. So, right. Uh, and I wanted to ask um, specifically about uh, entry-level positions. If they wanted to come out and, and get a, a gig in animation, that's not necessarily writing, but get into that world. Uh, yeah. What are some of those entry level positions working for Disney and animation, or you know, Marvel and animation, or yeah. and Pixar, whatever? Well, if you can draw the you know the world's your oyster. Sure. Um, I think what you if you can yeah handle pencil, I think you can start with like in in betweening, you know, uh, some guys will just do you know you do draw overs of other people's drawings and and stuff like that if they if their drawings look clean and then most people will start there and they'll kind of move up you either move into story or you move into uh, cleanup or you move into actual animation you know mm -hmm. assistant animator for somebody um, and then over the years you can be an animator and then sometimes you know the, the golden animators like uh, you know um, um, yeah some of the golden animators uh, get asked to direct. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and that's yeah the, a lot of those guys a lot of guys now are coming up through story and so the way that they uh, the way that that works is that you know you start as an in-betweener you know basically you turn in your portfolio you're an in-betweener you move hopefully you try to get tracked into story so you'll get on a story crew like a 12 person story crew and you'll get one sequence mm -hmm. and they'll just kind of try to kind of nurture nurture you along next movie you'll get three sequences next movie you'll get you know maybe you'll get you know some more um you may become head of story when you become head of story then two things happen one is you could get paired off uh peeled off if you're pitching and you have to aggressively pitch you might be able to do a short film you know and if you do a short film then you're if the short film works you're fast tracked. Mm -hmm. You know, you you can quickly pitch a movie and, and, and get on that on that thing. If your short film doesn't work, then you are, you know. Um, the other thing is that there is a certain amount of volatility in directing animation. So guys get fired uh, sometimes frequently. And if you are the next hotshot, you'll get into that into that group. Hmm. Um, the other, th the third I mentioned thing is uh, that, that is happening now a lot is that there are multiple directors on projects. Hmm. So it's no longer one bite at the apple. It's now four, you know, there were four directors on Raya. There were three on uh, Spider-Verse, um, you know, uh, so, so there is, there's a certain amount of churn that you can take advantage of. Um, and again, you have to have a vision of voice, you know, something that, that they're, they're thinking like, oh, this movie could use that. You know, let's call this guy up, you know, whatever, and, and, and bring him in and have him do something. But you have to have that skill set and you have to have proven that skill set somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, like I say, you're not going to debut, you know, as, a, you know, like, oh, we found this guy on the street. Now he's directing. <laughs> right, right. It's going to be like, OK, there's years and years. I mean, guys, you know, and we're talking 10 years of, of apprenticing before mm -hmm. anybody even looks at you for a directing job. Yeah, it's it's interesting how uh, it's. I think it's similar with the comic book world, 
where I think people on the outside who want to write big features, television, you know, be a showrunner, create their own show kind of thing, live action, think, oh, well, maybe I'll, I'll dabble in animation first. Or like a lot of people think, oh, I haven't had, a, uh, I've had a very difficult time selling my spec feature or my, my TV series. So I'm going to do a comic book version of that first. And then that'll propel me to, you know, because everyone's buying comic books. So I'm just going to do that first, not yeah. realizing there's such a small amount of producers of comic books and or, you know, uh, animated films that it's actually more difficult oftentimes to get a comic book made, I mean, in terms of paid, unless you want to do it yourself, than it is to actually get a a, a pilot sold or a a feature sold. As difficult as that is, it's actually harder to get, uh, uh, you know, your comic book, like Marvel or DC or even Image or any of these other comic book publishers to go, okay, well, we'll produce your, you know, we'll make your comic book for you. We'll hire you an artist and all that. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't. Yeah, exactly. It's like people say, oh, I'm going to write a bestseller and then I'm going to write an adaptation. Of my right. Book I'm going to adapt that into a movie because like, I really want to do the movie, like, but I'm just going to do the book just to make it easier to sell the movie. And it's like, yeah, that's not like, that's no, inc- that's, that's a second mountain you have to climb. You're climbing two yeah. mountains instead of one. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. do the thing. Do the thing you can do, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I and I, you know, I mean, obviously, I don't take my own advice because I do sitcoms and I do drama sure. uh, and, and animation, and whatever. Superhero stuff. And so, um, but, but each, every time, and maybe it's, you know, I'm hyper aware of it, that every new phase that I take on is like a lot, a lot of study. Mm. I'm just sitting there, um, you know, I'm in the lab for hours and hours. I mean, you know, it's years, basically, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how to write movies. So, you know, and, uh, uh, and, you know, cause movies change all the time. Yeah. Never and, stop and, learning. Uh, right. Yeah, and different different levels of stuff and uh, uh, and, and everything. So, you know, um, uh, to take that for granted or to or to not take that seriously mm-hmm. is, you know, that's fatal. Um, okay, so let's see here. Um, e- Sujin has another question. As more streaming services are becoming popular, do you think there will be more unique formats of storytelling emerging? If so, how will this affect writing as a craft and career? Hmm. I think it's inevitable, right? I think that it's it's that there is there are changes going on. It's funny because with animation, like like you can't you usually you can't talk about anything. But there are some projects. I'll just say I, I'm I'm directing another project, and actually I'm directing two other projects. I'm doing the feature, three short three shorter things, and um uh just because they came to me, you know, whatever, it's like, everybody knows me. So I'm like, Bing, you know, Hey, do you want to do this? Yeah, absolutely. But the things that are, the, the, two of the things that are happening that are very interesting are that corporations are discovering that people are streaming more and more and more. Mm-hmm. They're getting away from networks. Nobody's watching movies on networks anymore. You know, in fact, if you know that a movie is coming up on the network, first thing you do is you go to, you know, whatever, justwatch.com and you find right. out if it's, if it's anywhere streaming and then right. you're like, okay, good. It's worth five bucks or six bucks or whatever, 20 bucks, you know, to just watch it without commercials. And the corporations are, 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 are they know that now. So they are looking to make stuff on their own, you know, that kind of uh, 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 maybe passively suggest their project, uh, their products um, and, uh, and, and, and those kind of things. I think that, uh, what was it last year? Hair Love, Hair Love, you know, that won the, uh, you know, the Oscar for best short um it has this you know in the credits it's like 
dove (laughs) (laughs) and it's like oh wait a minute you know that was a very very sly commercial um you know uh maybe not intentional but it does dove a lot of good to have been a part of that thing and so you wind up with a really happy feeling about that so yeah it's gonna it's gonna change um one you know one thing is there's gonna be some things that are whatever like you know more like old tv was back in the day you know oh it's the jello program with uh with jack benny you know and right like jello and jack benny well, ooh, um, uh, you know oh as a camel is there any more cigarette better than any and you'll see that in the middle of the uh middle of your tv show well that's gonna something like that is going to come back in the streaming in the streaming world and also people are going to um with all of the algorithms and stuff there are there are new methods of hooking people uh so the series has been rewritten you know, I think last time I was talking about uh, how, how much um, uh, how much a, a, a Queen's Gambit changed the world seismically. It mm-hmm. did because it was it was thoroughly addictive, and you had to watch it all. And you know, and it was you know um, there. I can't tell you what the end of any episode was because it meant nothing to me mm-hmm. <laughs> because I would immediately go click 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 next you know uh, uh, next episode. It was a seven hour movie. Um, that you're going to see more and more of and you know i don't know if it's going to happen with animation or whatever but the shapes of movies are going to take on these epic epic scales um because they're going to figure out how to how to get you and how to keep you mm-hmm. and the artist that the artist that figures out how to do that first is going to do himself a lot of good mm-hmm. or, or sujin right. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody can figure it out it's sujin uh, well, and 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 streaming wise, it's changed uh, the uh, uh, structure of some shows in terms of they still tend to have acts act breaks, even though if they don't necessarily need them. But like you know, I mean, working for network TV, it's you have twenty two minutes to do an episode of Fresh Prince, and that's it. You cannot go twenty four minutes. Now the script can vary between you know twenty two and twenty five pages, but it has to be cut to twenty two minutes. Yeah. Now you'll see sitcoms go 40 minutes 30 minutes there's just it's much looser in terms of how much time you have to tell your story so i think you have a little bit more freedom as a creator i think that's kind of interesting look look at the the mandalorian mandalorian had like oh 28 minute episodes and then 48 minutes. yeah yeah like we only need this much time for this to get him from here to here right which can't happen in tv and teach the network is it's act two it's the first half of act two a over and over and over again so right. premise, you know, the premise is the pilot, and then and then fun and games, fun and games, fun and games for the whole lot of the series until you get to the end when it's like, oh, time to say goodbye, and then you try to wrap some stuff up. Right. But um, but these limited series are, you know, like if you watch Lupin or or any of these things, it's like, wow, there's a story there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the if it's ten episodes, whatever, the first two uh, episodes are Act One, and then you know the bulk of it is going to be you know two uh, A and B. You know, with a with a kind of a, a very clear midpoint in the in the season, and then the last two episodes will be a two parter, which is basically your act three. You know, like the, the battle of the so and so, and uh, and then you're regrouping for the next season. So you're so that one episode may be the first act of a larger thing, uh, or that I'm sorry, that series, that ten episodes are the first act. They start off, you know, the end of that uh, last episode begins. Connect of the second season, you know, um, uh, 
uh, or the first act of the second season, right? So, so you're you're going with these new structures and these new things, and and um, and we as audiences, right, be a, be an audience for be a film goer first, a filmmaker second. Mm -hmm. What do you enjoy? What 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 things are really really sticky to you? And um, you know, uh, obviously there are some shows that you watch a little bit of, and you go like, oh, life's too short, you know, whatever. Right. Don't do that. But there are other ones where you're like, okay, I could watch a year of this series, mm -hmm. and um, and you know, and so hopefully that'll that'll start happening more and more. It's inevitable, so. right? Um, Benjamin Feldman had another really good question: uh, What is a story crew? Is that writing or something more specific? Ah, story crew is is it's interesting because it, it often. I think early, weirdly early in like IMDb and mm -hmm. stuff like that, they would they would put story crew in the screenplay category. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like eh, not really, but but they're not they're not. It's a hybrid thing, and the 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 the, the confusion is that, you know, unfortunately pre cats pre Katzenberg P ninety whatever, um, um, there were no writers at in Disney animation. It was just directors mm -hmm. and uh, and story crews. And so the director would walk the halls or, you know, Walt himself would walk the halls and he would say, this is what this story is. And he was a living embodiment of the screenplay. So, um, uh, and, and then the story guys, you know, he would say, you take the story from the time Snow White, you know, gets to the forest to the time that she, you know, whatever, we're just gonna meet the elf, you know, we're gonna meet the, 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 the dwarves. And so intro all seven of the dwarves in their own interesting ways. And then you're going to stop when they go out, you know, to make breakfast. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then the next guy is like, okay, well, we just met the elves, uh, the dwarves, and now we're going to do the, the, the next thing. And then he would just walk from room to room and tell the story. And so he's a living embodiment of the script. And then it was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It has to be written. So, so now there are writers in the, in, in the room. But all of those guys, all the story guys, there's a reason why they all move up to directing because they are directors. Hmm. They, they envision the scene. They often rewrite it. Another inside baseball thing in, in animation is that when you give that sequence to the uh, story artist, they will say, you know, they uh, are, are more than empowered to rewrite, you know, uh, your stuff. So my office was in the story department. So I would go to them and I'd say, are we cool? And they say, well, I was thinking this. And they show me thumbnails of, you know, do you need this? And what if I put this before this? And can I, maybe we can get more out of it if we do this and there's no words there and whatever. I'm like, absolutely. I'll be right back. I'm going to support that with my, with, with, with pages. I go back and I rewrite it. And then, you know, hopefully that day, because that guy's writing fast. Sure. Um, so I try to rewrite in two, three hours and then boom, I give it to him or her. And then, um, and then, uh, uh, and then there's at least a pass, you know, there is at least uh, a synergy there because I'm trying to tell a little story element. So there are things that absolutely need to be in the first scene of the second act. You know, there's just, it's just gotta be there. Mm -hmm. And there's scenes that, you know, there's things that when I'm introducing this character, I know what I'm doing in act three, he's gotta, you gotta show that he can't blah, 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 you know? And so, uh, so you have that process, but those guys are fully able, fully capable of just making a movie without you, so um, so my part of the process is to is to is to suck up to those guys, you know, sit on their desks and you know whatever, buy them buy them coffee and 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 get to talking, 
so that they will, so that they, you know, and like I say, I draw so that I am part of that process. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so a story team um, is a bunch of artists who write, who stage, who act, who, you know, uh, usually have the skills of an animator and a, you know, whatever they've worked in different departments around the, around the building. Mm -hmm. um, and then they work together to make the movie. Um, one last thing is that they, like there are some guys who are really good at comedy, so they will do the comedy scenes. There are some guys who are really good at tearful scenes, so they will do those scenes. Some people are good at action, so they will do, you know, those. And then you cast each sequence per the uh, skill set of the of the artist. So that's kind of fun. So you're like, oh, I can't wait to see what, you know, what Tom Way is going to do with this, you know, with the frog hunter scene. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and he goes and knocks it out of the park or what, you know, what, you know, what, what Paul Briggs is going to do with, you know, when, when Tiana and, and, uh, and Naveen land in the bayou. It's like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. You know, Don Hall does that great stuff. It's like these guys, when, you know, uh, as soon as, when I think of the movie, I think, man, that guy saved my bacon. You know, and then that guy saved my bag, and then that guy. Oh my God! You know, I was I was at sea for a long time. So that's 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 a good way to look at. It. Right. Uh, I did want to ask one sort of broad animation question. You had mentioned uh, it takes about four years to from the inception of the idea to release of the film in whatever format it comes out. Um, you know, and this, we're talking about animated features. Obviously, television yeah. is different and things yeah. like that. Um, well, same is true with uh, with with. With movies with a lot of uh, CG, sure. Yeah. Um, but for animation, what what is sort of that the process from inception of the idea to release of the film? What stages does it go through, and what is the writer's participate participation in all of that throughout the process? Yeah, well, you um, there are good processes and bad processes. <laughs> they, they sometimes what what happens is somebody will come up with an idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, it may be the it may be the writer, it may not be. They they you know um, a lot of times because it's a big you know whatever, um, an idea is there, wherever it's generated. Usually to sell the idea to get the idea moving, you have to have some artwork, hmm. and so artists are brought in to kind of like just do panels. You know this these are some these are some frames that that explain the. The, the 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 journey of these people you're basically doing posters at that point like okay here's two fish you know one has wide eyes right. and he's an angel fish and the other one is a kind of grumpy looking clownfish and like does this look like a movie yes this looked like a movie excellent great now you go to the next step um and then it's like the the that's why i say it's 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 it is a lot like every other movie. You're just sitting there. Uh, what is it? Andrew Satton calls it my journey of pain. Mm. You're just sitting there trying to figure out the friggin' movie. It, they just, they fight you. They don't, they don't land in your lap. When they do land in your lap, beware because it's a, it's somebody else's movie. You know? Right. <laughs> or it is, it is the worst, most pat, most, uh, you know, uh, tropey movie ever. Um, no, no, no good movie comes easy. So mm. you, um, uh, the process uh, that I liked the most was that, you get in a room with guys and you're just sitting there talking about the issues of the movie. Um, you know, uh, I worked on, uh, there was this one project that, that I, that did, that I did work on from scratch. Um, well, actually frozen. Oh, well, okay. Frozen was like, uh, you start off and it's, uh, there's this thing, uh, what is it? The ice queen that, that it's based on, but that is 
a very grim, grim fairy tale. Hmm. People die, or it's like awful, 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 and it's like we can't make a thing about you know, freaking Snow Queen. I think it was, and it was, um, it, it's grim. So I'm just sitting there with, uh, uh, you know, um, it, it's, it's, you know, um, yeah, me and the director, and we just like staring at the ceiling, you know, because I, I, I was at a certain point, you know, um, with Frog. I'm done, you know? It's like all of the sequences, but maybe two or three are in production and I'm just working on those sequences and I'm giving them to the story artists and then I have nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wandering around the, the hallways and saying, hey, you know, pitch me through your problems. And uh, so we're just staring at the walls and we're going like, okay, well, wait, let's start from the beginning. What is fun about snow? What's fun about cold? What's mm-hmm. fun about, you know, whatever. And we're like, snowmen are fun. Yes, snowmen are awesome. You know, whatever, Frozone is fun. Frozone is fun, yes. Uh, you know, and and stuff like that. Like, oh, wouldn't you like to whatever? And what does snow mean? What does ice mean? Whatever, you know, it means freezing a moment or whatever. And 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 these things. It's cold, so it already has a negative connotation to it. People who can do cold things, whatever. And you just start to kind of, you just put a little wish list on the wall mm. of these scenes would be cool to see in any movie about this this thing, and. Um, and you know it's got to be a princess movie, so that gives you that. That's your genre, right? Um, I think it was uh, Marcus or McFeely, uh, uh, one of the guys who you know did the Captain America things. He they, they said that the genre is the vessel that you put your you know that you put your story in, right? So you have your genre, and that's good to figure out if you're going to do one genre or maybe it's a multiple. You're layering your genres. That gives you a lot of your story, you know. So all your comps as far as movies that are like it, you start looking at those. Um, and you say, okay, well, geez, there's, there are 50 great romantic comedies. These six can work for us. Let's just study the crap out of these movies mm-hmm. and figure out what makes them work, what doesn't make them work. And there's no sense in reinventing the wheel. You know, it's better to start with the best of those, uh, best in the genre and just figure them out. Like, what, what did those guys do that, you know, whatever? And where did other people kind of, you know, step in it? <laughs> that we don't want to that we don't want to do right and then and then you start to assemble your thing like it was princess and the frog is not a princess movie the princess movies for me kind of stank you know they were they were like they're all like you know oh i'm you know uh snow white is wishing in a well she's singing to a well and some creep shows up behind her and says oh whatever and finishes her song like mm. a jerk and she turns to him you know like immediately she's in love with him like that ain't the way I had to work a lot harder for my wife. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> and, um, and you also have like the, you know, what is it? Uh, um, uh, Cinderella is just like, oh, there's a guy who I've never met before and I'm mm. going to go to the ball and fall in love with him. What? You know, right. nobody does. You know, I've, I've coached girls soccer. Nobody, <laughs> nobody even thinks that way. So, um, so, so you start with like, what are the class? I want it to feel classic with Frog. I want it to feel classic. I also want it to be modern. So we're studying um, It Happened One Night, which mm-hmm. if you if you if you know that movie, you know that there was not a lot of daylight between It Happened One Night and Princess and the Frog, you know, but also like Roman Holiday and, you know, a lot of those really great classic cry your eyes out um, romantic comedies, mm-hmm. but also the Judd Apatow movies. Mm. You know, the Judd Apatow uh, romantic comedies are fantastic. They all have great things in them. There's this great life to them. So, uh, so in studying those, it gives you this newness and then this toe in the classic. And, um, uh, and then it's just the work. 
It's just, what is it to me? And you're, the conversations are, you know, how did you meet your wife? How did you meet your, you know, girlfriend? How did you, whatever, what are the best and worst relationships you've ever had? Do you know any rich dudes who are jerks? You know, any hardworking, you know, whatevers? Um, uh, Sometimes it's just talking to people. We were wrong a lot with, uh, you know, and they say be wrong as early as possible, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we were wrong a lot. And the, the women at Disney would just rebel, you know, and they would say, I don't like Tiana if she likes this prince. Mm. And so it was like, and they at one point said, okay, he's gonna be, he's gotta be exotic, he's gotta be whatever. There are five guys in the building who are super hot and super foreign, you know. So meet these guys, you know, meet real people. And so I sat down and we recorded him and I just asked these guys a bunch of questions, you know, mm-hmm. like well, the women, you know, they love me so much. And I just talked to them and they, well, you know, I can do these things. And and so after I, uh, and it was a French dude, a, you know, Latina dude, and a, you know, a German dude, and whatever. And I just would write down key phrases and I, and I we taped it so I would listen to it. And I said, okay, this is the amalgam of these people. Mm. This is a hot foreign dude of unknown origin. <laughs> you know. And then boom, that's Naveen. Thank you a bunch of people that weren't me right a bunch, of, a bunch of women were just like rebel 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 right and then they came they came up to me a bunch of them came up to me and said thank you that's a good prince <laughs> so yeah so that's the i mean that is the process and then mm-hmm. you're writing it and like i say you uh it's divided into segments it gets uh you some work some don't the ones that work are fast-tracked the ones that don't you're just slogging through. Mm-hmm. So the prince uh, proposing to Tiana was easily 70 drafts, probably more like 170 drafts, but just over four years, I, I think like every week was like, are we, are, is this even close? You know, like <laughs> right. what is, and then the, the final thing, it just seems so easy. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those 4 a.m. things. I'm sitting there and I go, oh, and uh, I pitch it. I pitch it and they go, yeah. <laughs> it was just like that. It was no fanfare. It was like, right. don't touch it. Put it right into production. Right. Don't touch anything. You know, stop working on this scene now. And I was right. like, really? I got three more versions. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the process. It, and that, it's maddening, but it's super fun. If you love writing, which I do, and I right. love movies. So you're never tired of watching movies. You're never mm-hmm. tired of actually, you know, putting pen to paper. Um, and, uh, and you come out of it, the idea is to make a classic that is going to be wonderful and that hopefully gets nominated or whatever, all that stuff is fun. But really what you want is, you know, uh, uh, that I get a lot. My, my wife will come up to me with like a, uh, you know, uh, usually like 40 some odd year old black woman and, and she'll say, oh, did you write Princess and the Frog? And I'll say, yeah. And they'll just burst into tears. Oh. And, and they'll say, thank you. I've been waiting all my life for this mm. movie. It's so wonderful to see. And, and that's what you do. So, so for me, I'm always, I'm always going backwards from that moment when I'm putting pen to paper. I'm saying like, I want, to, I want that woman to, or that person, whoever they are, I want them to burst into tears uh, when they think about my movie because it should be that cathartic. And so yeah. what is that? What's the amount of work I need to do? <laughs> um, okay, so let's see here. Let's go back to the uh, chat for a couple more questions. Uh, never asked, cool. how do you know if you want to work with a director on something? Do you take them out for lunch or research them? Any tips for that? Uh, you've got to trust them, I know. So, uh, 
what are your advice? What's your, what, what is your advice? Dating. Yeah. Yeah. It's straight up dating. I mean, fortunately I, and it is, it's like everything. It's like, you try to get, when you get more complicated in Hollywood, it's like, no, mm. don't do it. It's all high school, you know? Right. And so uh, you're going to be, you're, you're dating somebody. You're going to be engaged to them for three, four years. Um, uh, most people who perform at a high level are not crazy. Um, you know, some are. And then it's just a question of, can you deal with crazy uh, uh, and, and whatever. I try to be a, I try to be a little bit amorphous that I can fit many containers mm-hmm. and that, you know, um, most things don't bother me. You know, uh, uh, I don't, I try, I take myself out of it all the time. I think that the worst thing you can do is go like, eh, you don't love me, you know, <laughs> that once it gets super personal yeah. and it's nothing gets done, but you're just trying to say, look, let's just make, let's just make the movie better. So, you know, on frog, there's all these drawings, uh, everybody in the room can draw. So, uh, so there's all these drawings of what the meetings are like, and it's just Don Hall and Ron and John and me just yelling at each other. <laughs> you know? And, but really what we're yelling about is like, you know, it, it starts off with you're right. You root, you're trying to ruin my fantastic movie, mm. you know? And like, why, you know, you stupid scene that you want to put in there is just going to ruin it. And here's why. And then the other guy is like, no, this makes the movie more wonderful. And here's why. And like, Oh, screw you. You're whatever you're old school. You're young or whatever. All that stuff happens, but really the passion is we all want to make the best movie in the world. And um, we all want to make our own favorite movie. And uh, so the compromises, that's when it gets interesting. And so you don't want anybody with really crappy ideas throwing them in there. Right. And you haven't kind of fight off, you know, bad ideas. I've discovered over time uh, that, that bad ideas do commit suicide. So, um, you know, if you have a lot of ideas, the worst ideas, they will commit suicide in order of badness. Um, so, uh, so sometimes you try the problem on the other side, Mm -hmm. good ideas, good ideas, um, uh, um, uh, disguise themselves. Sometimes it's really crappy ideas. So, so you, you have to see ideas through and say, uh, uh, and, and just say, well, this feels crappy, but let me just give it some water and some, you know, some fertilizer and see if it grows up to be a crappy tree. Fine. We got time, you know, just, just cut it and go back to the, go back to the next best idea. Mm. Um, but the, uh, but, but yeah, you gotta give, you gotta give them a, a, a give them a shot. So, so see them through. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's, that's usually it. I always say like, buy it or beat it, you know, that, that, that the, that there is an idea on the table Let's commit to it and go run up the mountain. Mm-hmm. And um, if it, if it sucks, be ready, <laughs> you know, and assume that it's going to suck because you've got four years, everything right. sucks first year, all first drafts, you know, what is it, bird by bird, right? First draft, you know, uh, uh, shitty first drafts, the um, uh, all, all drafts, everything in the beginning sucks, right? It just stink. They stink for a long time. So you have to kind of, children, you know, whatever, you know, they make poop and they, whatever, they eat stuff, they throw things. And then eventually they become, you know, uh, you know mortgage brokers. So, um, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, so, so see it through, but don't jump the process. 
you know, trust the process. That's another Pixar thing. Trust mm. the process. It gets better, but plus everything and have a better idea all the time. You know, yeah. if you're, if you're good at what you do, you have a better idea in your head, probably six or seven, you know, better ideas than what's on the table right now. Hmm. So, yeah. So, and so the answer to the question, the, the bad director will, will settle on the bad idea. Those guys I have no patience for. Mm, gotcha. The good director will say, Hmm, let's keep going. You know, right. is there a deeper thing or, Hey, um, you know, uh, here's six movies we should watch and talk about. That's the best. That's the best approach. Yeah. Or like, what's your favorite movie? Let's talk about our favorite movies or let's talk about the real of what is here and that kind of thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's great directing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Ochikai asks, how do you balance work personal life? Since it's such a hard working industry, especially if you work for such great companies, I would think it's hard to see your family and stuff while you are working and teaching. So you're working and teaching and family. How do you make that work? Well, I started teaching after my kids. I have two sons, mm-hmm. and they once my youngest son graduated from college, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, good. Now I can, now <laughs> now I can start. And it was basically like, oh, empty nest. Hey, more kids. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, was, yeah. that was it for me. The um, uh, but yeah, it is extremely demanding. I mean, te- television was the worst um, as far as like a toll on your time mm. uh, because I would get home. TV is kind of, you know, it start, the day more or less starts at 10, which means you have to be there at 930. And then you uh, you go home in quotes at about three or four. So most of the time working on TV shows, um, I, I had a, a, a seven foot couch was always in my deal. Hmm. Seven foot couch that I could sleep on, a shower, and my wife would just bring, you know, clothes <laughs> you know, and so so on Monday I would come in with a with a kind of a, um, a suitcase, mm. and uh, and we would work. You know, um, some shows you actually get to go home. You you get to go home at three, but you have to be there again at nine. So it's not really going home. You're just kind of going to a place where people are sleeping. You right. And you're saying three a.m., not three p.m. <laughs> three a.m. Yeah. Three a.m. Yes, exactly. You're having di- you know kind of a second dinner at midnight. Mm. Um, and then, uh, and then, and this is rewrite night. This is Tuesday. Um, uh, yeah, you're there until three Monday. You're sometimes there until, you know, midnight two, um, Tuesday, three or five, you know, um, Wednesday two or three. And then Thursday, you kind of go home. Friday is a one o'clock, two o'clock night, depending on how late you shoot. Hmm. So, um, so I would get little, uh, you know, I'd come home for the weekends and my wife would say, Oh, Hey, by the way, Sammy knew, how, uh, Sammy learned how to walk. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> like, Oh, that's nice. <laughs> you do, know? do you have video? <laughs> yeah. So everything, everything kind of sucks. So when they, at a certain point, when I think I was working on the LL Cool J show, I said, okay, I'm, I can't do this anymore. I, I'm going to go do movies hmm. because I thought like, Oh, great movies. I get more time to do things. And, by and large, yeah, I can. Uh, if I'm doing a movie, uh, I can, I can start my day at 7 a.m. and kind of finish it at two, and then I have the afternoon. I can go play golf or whatever I wanted to, you know. The um, uh, with some projects, and I tend to stack them up, especially during quarantine. I just stacked up projects. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing from the time I wake up until I kind of fall asleep at my desk. So, uh, but like I say, the nest is empty. 
um, you know, my wife is is doing. She runs a company on the other side of the house, so <laughs> so there's that. You know, we kind of meet for meals uh, mm. and uh, and watch movies on the, on the on the weekends and stuff. But it's, you know. I kind of like the process of writing. I mean, I like I like being in a room alone by myself and kind of like you know going through my imagination and, mm -hmm. and, and doing stuff. So it's not I don't see it as a burden. But yeah, family wise, um, when I left TV, I was like hardcore dad. I coached everything. I coached my sons in three sports for 15 years. Um, you know, soccer, basketball, lacrosse, and my youngest son wound up with a lacrosse scholarship, and now he coaches at high school. Oh, cool. um, uh, my older son, uh, you know, whatever, wound up at Cornell, and he's a he's a business guy in New York City. So, um, so it wound up working out because I was I was like, okay, I'm going to be an actual dad. <laughs> you know, I'm going to drive you to school. I'm going to, you know, um, I'm going to be around on weekends. You'll see me as, you know, I'm Coach Rob, and then I'm dad. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I'm not missing a another thing you know and that wound up being really good but it's really really hard to have a balanced life yeah you know to be to be in good shape you know in good health and have a great family and work hard it's it's tough you know so for me unfortunately i'm a i'm a worker bee i would rather you know work i, I would much rather just sit in a room uh and i'll see you when i'm done yeah <laughs> you know? so yeah yeah it's bad it's a, it's a sickness it's a sickness <laughs> uh well it's i mean part of the reason probably why you've been as successful in so many different things as you have you you know put out and that's another thing put out work you know continually yeah. be writing writing and, and, and making absolutely it's not a it's not a you know it's it's a muscle so it, yeah. you can't do it part-time yeah. um even if i did even when i was doing it part-time when i was you know early and when i was just a, a gopher hmm. uh i always had the notebook in my pocket and i would um i was always kind of working but the working was a way you know i don't need to work on paper i would you know just work out stuff in my head as mm -hmm. i was kind of walking or whatever or shopping um and uh but work was a pri priority in fact i never i you're supposed to when you're a gopher you're supposed to wear shorts and a t-shirt and stuff whatever a sweatshirt and i would always wear like chinos and a shirt and we're like what are you doing like i'm a writer right. who happens to be you know uh a working as production assistant right now right. at the very at this very second i'm a production assistant but i'm a writer in in thought word and right deed. no that's great that's something i think writers should take to heart you know no matter where you're at so, you know, still be writing and, and, and think of that mindset as a writer. Yeah. You um, don't get better at the things you don't do. Right. No, you absolutely. Know. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you, Rob, for coming out and answering all these questions and, and uh, you know, giving us your insight and sharing your experience as always. Uh, it's always yeah. great having you around. And, and so, no, thank you for your time, Rob. I, I really, really, really appreciate it. My pleasure, my pleasure. Um, and for those uh, watching, if you are looking to staff, you're looking uh, for information on staffing season, we've got some TV writers coming up next Saturday, the 24th, April 24th at 11 a.m. So check back with us next weekend, next Saturday, if you're interested in, in learning more about staffing season from some working TV writers and what that process is like. Um, Rob, where can they find you? It's Twitter at I am Rob Edwards. Uh, yep. Anywhere else? That is that you can basically. I'm I'm trying to get my website back up. It's okay. robedwards.net. Okay. Um. Uh. And you will start to see hopefully soon, 
I just hired somebody to kind of try to fix it for me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking about stuff. So I'm, I'm always posting essays and stuff like that. You can also find me on Twitter at Rob Edwards workshop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook, did I say Facebook or did I say Twitter? You said uh, on Twitter. On, on sorry. Facebook at okay. Rob Edwards workshop. Okay. And because um, every so often, although now I'm teaching, I don't really do it so much, but every so often I'll do like a, a master class or something like that. Um, but at the very least, I try to keep people up to date on things like this that mm -hmm. I'm doing uh, that, that I think, you know, hopefully benefits students and benefits everybody. Yeah, no, it's great. And uh, yeah, I think that's how we met. You I asked think. great questions. By the way, you are awesome at this. I'm a fan of the show too. So it's like, you know, the, uh, the Lee Aronson one was, uh, was amazing. And you know, like, you're, you're great at what you do. You ask great questions. And uh, if I was a student right now, this would be, you know, I'd be all over this thing um, because you, you get granular with writers. And that's all I ever wanted was like, oh, good. You know, uh, tell me how you write, what kind of pen do you use? You know, that kind of thing. That's always, I would geek out on that stuff because, you know, you feel like you can kind of plug into it. So I, I, I love your show and I'm glad, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, no, I appreciate it, Rob. That's, the feeling is, is mutual. So, I mean, I, I love having you on and you have such great insights and uh, obviously tons and tons of experience. So, uh, and, and you're super generous to share it. So thank you. Uh, again, um, and we'll have we have to have you back on as always. You're always welcome, and I love talking to you. So, um, so thank you all for watching. We will see you hopefully next Saturday, and have a great weekend, everyone. All right, peace.